Good morning and welcome to today's uh, Berean podcast. I'll be your host and my name is Dwayne. I share my thoughts on Twitter as the Bible guy and on Facebook, on the Facebook group uh, called Bright Future Bible Freaks. Uh, Feel free to follow or join that particular group. Today we're going to be discussing the triumph of the gospel, why the message of Jesus will always prosper. Our text is going to be found in Colossians 1, uh, verses 3 to 8. So get your cup of coffee or your favorite drink, and let's jump right in. The passage reads as follows. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying for you always, since we heard of your faith in Christ and your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, which you heard before in the word of truth, in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you and has also come in all the world and is bringing forth fruit, as it also is among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth, as you learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Jesus Christ on your behalf, who also has declared to us your love in the Spirit. The historical context of the church in Colossae is that it was likely founded by Epaphras, who had become a fellow worker with Paul. Epaphras had probably taught the Colossians about the gospel, and Paul heard about the church's faith and love through him. So, Paul says we give thanks to God, and Paul expresses his gratitude to God for the Colossian church and its reputation. He says that when he prays for them, he thanks God for their faith in Jesus and for their love for other believers. Isn't it interesting that Paul relates their faith to love and not to miraculous signs or wonders? Because he says in addition to hearing of their faith, he heard of their love towards others. It's important to note that the natural outcome of faith is love, not signs, not wonders, not miracles. Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision or or uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The same sentiment is expressed in 1 Corinthians 13. If I have the gift of prophecy and can follow and fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. And once again, James says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and, and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied, if it's not accompanied by actions, is dead. So Paul heard about their love. When Paul says he heard of their love for all the saints, he's not merely talking about an emotional sentiment. Instead, what he's referring to is something very concrete and observable. observable. Paul defines love in 1 Corinthians, and he says these are the key traits of love. When a person loves somebody, there's no need for the 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 the, the recipient of the love to be told that they're being loved. 
A person knows when they're being loved by the actions or the lack of actions being demonstrated or not demonstrated by the one that's asserting uh, to be loving. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul describes the following traits of love. He says this, Love is patient, kind, not envy or boasting. Love is not arrogant or rude. It's not insisting on its own way. Love isn't irritable or resentful. Love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. These qualities provide a concrete framework for understanding what it means to love another person. Paul, According to Paul, love is not just a feeling, but a set of actions and attitudes that pro- prioritize the well-being and flourishing of the other person. So much for the Hollywood version of love. When someone loves another person in this way, their actions and behaviors will naturally demonstrate these traits. And the recipient of their love will be able to perceive it without needing to be told explicitly. So love was a central theme of Jesus' teaching and the message of the early church. The ideal of loving one's neighbor as oneself was not necessarily new. But Jesus emphasized it as the second greatest commandment after loving God with all one's heart, soul, and mind. The early church was known for its love and care for one another, especially during persecution and hardships. This love was a powerful witness to the truth of the gospel and the reality of the Christian faith. Let's move on to another truth, that the gospel will always prosper. That truth can be extracted from this verse. Yeah, it's the idea that the nature of the gospel is such that it will always prosper and triumph over evil. This uh, theme is echoed in other parts of the Bible, such as in Matthew 16, uh, 18, where Jesus says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Uh, This verse isn't about Peter, it's about Christ's church. This verse speaks of to the idea that even through the even though the forces of evil may try to resist the spread of the gospel, they will ultimately fail, and the message of Jesus will continue to thrive and flourish. This passage also shows the fulfillment of prophecy. As the gospel as the gospel spreads throughout the Gentile world, this idea is rooted in such passages as Isaiah forty two six, which says, "I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will hold." of your hand I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. The gospel message was never just meant for the Jewish people but was it was intended to reach all the nations and the peoples of the world and in context it did. Stop for a moment. Can you feel the awe and wonder that comes with realizing the magnitude of the Great Commission? The early listeners of Jesus accepted this monumental task and embraced it with favor and determination. Despite physical challenges and obstacles, they spread the news of Jesus far and wide, taking his message of hope and redemption to the ends of the earth. In context. Imagine imagine walking for days on end through treacherous terrain and harsh weather conditions fueled only by your faith and passion for the gospel and of course the empowering of the Holy Spirit. 
According to estimates, it would have taken nearly 38 days of nonstop walking to travel from Jerusalem to Colossae. And yet think about it, the news of Jesus managed to spread even further. It went all the way to Rome. It's easy to underestimate the power of the gospel, especially in our modern age, where we have access to advanced technology and communication methods. But this passage reminds us that physical limitations or technological advancements do not confine the message of Jesus. It can transcend borders, cultures, and even time itself. A key priority of the early Christian church was to disseminate the message of the gospel and the account of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to people worldwide. The apostles and other missionaries traveled far and wide to preach the gospel to all nations, and as a result, many of the Gentiles came to believe in Christ. The book of Acts records uh, many of these missionary journeys and the church's growth in various regions. Paul says in Romans 1.8, for instance, I thank God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being reported all over the world. Again, Paul says in Romans 10.18, but I, I asked, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In 1 Thessalonians 1.8, Paul is recorded to write these words. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. In 2 Timothy 2.9, Paul says, For which I am suffering even to this point, being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. The church in Colossae was not known for its impressive worship or preaching, nor for the miraculous signs and wonders that that occurred within their walls. Instead, their reputation was built upon this testimony, their testimony of love, a love demonstrated through their actions by the principles outlined in 1 Corinthians 13. Look, if you're searching for a church to attend, Don't be swayed by flashy music, dynamic preaching, or spectacular displays of supernatural power. Instead, seek out a church passionate about sharing the message of the resurrected Christ and actively demonstrating their love through their deeds. I hope hope you remember that it's not the external trappings of a church that matters, but the sincerity of the people's faith, and their commitment to living out the love of Christ in their daily lives. By following the example of the church in Colossae and seeking out a community that truly embodies the spirit of 1 Corinthians 13, you can find a place to grow in your faith and experience the the transformative power of God's love. Hey, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and if you If you did, please feel free to run over to BereanPost.ca, sign up, make sure you don't miss it, or you can actually read the blog as well too. Hey, until next time, this here is Dwayne, and I hope you have yourself a great day.